Chance Time. Hello and welcome to Chance Time. That was incredible. (laughs) You did not prepare me for that. (laughs) The generic video game podcast (laughs) where uh, (laughs) we discuss generic video game things. Uh, As always, I am Ryan Sora is in Smash Speakman. And uh, with us, we have Paul Donald Duck Bills. So much. It's a pleasure to be here. (laughs) (laughs) You were prepared, man. This is, you're coming out swinging. (laughs) I figured it'd be better if I just didn't say anything was different. (laughs) Beautiful. I'll cherish that memory forever. And of course, uh, we are missing today. Curtis Lu- Ludwig von Drake. I can't say it. Curtis Ludwig von Drake. Low. Sorry, Curtis, that you cannot be here. But there's a pot- potential possibility that Curtis will hop in randomly at some point tonight. We don't know. Random Curtis. That is a. Uh... An event that everyone should be prepared for. <laughs> Random Curtis. Random Curtis encounter. <laughs> How are you doing, Paul? Good. I just got back from a week-long trip to Ukraine. Uh, how was it? And, uh, it was great. I went to Chernobyl and didn't die of radiation poisoning yet. So, <laughs> pretty solid. Pretty solid trip. Now... What what was your airplane game of choice? I'm curious. I I didn't play any games on the airplane. What my airplane my airplane game of choice was movies. Wow. Because that I can't is... I can't I can't take my switch because my switch is too important to my children. Ah. And trying to play a game on my laptop on the tiny. On the tiny little table, just uh, never works. I've tried it before, so maybe if I had a Steam Deck, but I just don't have a good setup for playing games on planes right now. Have you? I I know your your kids are are young, maybe too young for this, but do you have you considered getting them their own Switch, like a Switch Lite or something? Yeah, I thought about it, but I I can't justify the expense. Yeah. But yeah, it would it would be nice. I mean, I guess I did play. I was I was you know playing my Beat Star on my phone, mm. but but not like it has to have an internet connection. So it was only like while I was waiting, like sitting down waiting to take off and stuff. Um, but I watched a lot of movies. Yeah, hit me up with what you watched. So I watched Tenet. Okay. Don't spoil uh, it for me. I still haven't watched it. Uh, okay. Yeah, it's something else. Um, <laughs> I watched Promising Young Woman because people at my office have been talking a lot about it. Was it good? That one. Uh, I mean, Carrie Mulligan gives quite the performance. And like, as far as making a point i don't know if any movie i've ever seen makes its point as well as that movie wow 
but it's pretty brutal. Like it's pretty rough mm. to get through. Um, like, I don't know if other people will, will make this comparison, but I kind of compare it to the movie parasite. Did you ever see that? The Korean I did movie see that one. Yeah. Yeah. So like when you're watching parasite, you're like, okay, I get, I get the rules of the game we're playing and I get the limits of what we're doing and I can see the tragedy that's coming. And then parasite is like, no, you do not. (laughs) You do not know what is about to happen. And it just goes, you know, cranks it to 11 and you're just like, Oh my gosh. (laughs) Pretty promising young woman has, I was said pretty young woman, promising young woman has a similar, like, Oh, I did not. I did not think that's where this was going to go. Holy mm, crap. Interesting. Yeah. So then I also watched uh, Snake Eyes, the G.I. Joe Origins movie. Mm, yes, that I one. know that because my girlfriend Charlotte makes sure to tell me when that commercial comes on that she finds the lead in that movie attractive. Henry Golding. Yeah. Yeah. That's part of what I mean. That's mostly why I watched it because I like Henry <laughs> Golding too. Uh, Wait, is that is Hen? Who is Henry Golding? Maybe I we're not thinking. I'm thinking of. Yeah, he's the guy from Crazy Rich Asians. Okay, yeah, we are thinking of the same people. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's awesome. I think he he has quite the career ahead of him. I think. Um, Age thirty four, born in. Batong, Malaysia, 6-1. Spouse, Live Low. Oh, nice. Parents, Clive Golding and Margaret Lycan Golding. Wow. Um, I will say he's bad at American accents, and it made Mm. the movie that much better. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That movie was just hilarious. It's it's just like, okay, sure. Uh, It's one of those movies where it's like, we're going to pretend this is real. But then we're just going to like throw in a fantasy element and and no one's going to react like it's weird. It's just this is just how it, things are. This is just <laughs> real. This is just fine. <laughs> uh, I also watched Fast 9. OK, with... here's my thing about Fast and Furious movies. I've, I this has changed recently, but for a long time, I had never seen a single one. Mm hmm. And then I was like, I saw the trailer for Fast 9. And I was like, I I remember seeing the trailers for the first Fast and Furious. How did we get from point A to point B? Exactly. And so I did watch the first one recently because I have a plan to watch every single one just to see the like evolution. Right. Of like, what is going on? Because I see the trailer for fast nine. And I'm like, I kind of want to watch this. Like this looks, (laughs) this looks so ridiculous that like, it looks like it could be fun. Yeah. Yeah. That was the appeal for me. Uh, And I was like, I'm not going to understand anything. And I want, you know, it's rare that I like jump into something where I know I won't get anything, you know? Yeah. I was like, I want that experience. I want to feel like I'm watching (laughs) Avengers Endgame and have not seen anything <laughs> before it. And it was rewarding. It was, it was very entertaining. I feel like uh, 
like I feel like there's a big difference in understanding Avengers Endgame and Fast Nine though, without seeing the prior yeah. movies. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, but in a similar sense, there was just so many characters that showed up for like one scene. And it was like framed as like, this is a big deal that this person is here. And I was like, cool. I bet that person's super cool in another movie. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was, that was entertaining. Wow. Sounds like some I, good, uh, good movie experiences. Yeah. Yeah. Some, you know, just trying to survive the, it was, a, it's a 10 hour flight one way and almost 11 hours coming back. Because you're flying west, I guess, into oh, yeah. the wind or whatever. So it's a long time to just sit there and, you know, you can't really do much. So, yeah, I am honestly very surprised you didn't bring a switch or something. I re- like, I could not bring a switch. It would be too devastating to Ryan, my child. So, did you at least, do you still have your DS, your 3DS? No. I haven't had that for a long time. Man, you should have told me. I I could have let you like an old Game Boy <laughs> or something. Nah, it's okay. I mean, <laughs> there's especially Tenet and Single Woman. I have wanted to watch for a long time, yeah. but but Maddie doesn't really want to watch them. Mm. My wife. I don't know if listeners know my wife's name. Um, <laughs> So, like, I rarely ever have a chance to watch something without her, um, just because anytime I have time to watch something, I, you know, we're going to be together and watch something. So yeah. when there's something I want to watch that she doesn't want to watch, it's like super rare that I get a chance. Mm, so yeah. it was a good chance to catch up on a bunch of bunch of dumb stuff that I don't think she would ever want to watch, like F9 and Snake Eyes. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Whenever it comes to watching Tenet, both Charlotte and I want to watch it, but it's always that thing of like, but it's three hours. And like, Mm -hmm. it's hard to like make that commitment, I feel. Is it three hours? Yeah. Oh, man, I didn't even notice. (laughs) Well, three out of 11 hours that you're trying to kill time, I think (laughs) maybe it's harder to realize. Yeah. Um, Also, do you think Disney is going to sue us for the famous uh, Disney chance time remix. No, I mean, it was, it was 20% different, right? Or whatever. The, <laughs> I don't the, know the if that's a real rule. Yeah, I don't know. If Disney sues us, that could only be good for our publicity, right? Like, that's true. If they tell us, delete the episode, we'll delete the episode. <laughs> yeah. Or we'll become, the wonderful world of Disney presents chance time. Yeah. Yeah. They'll, they'll buy us out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, all right. Before we get into the famous, uh, Mike Struckerberg's one thing, we have an email that I would like to address. And it's from a very, very important person. Uh, I might've just given away who it's from, but, Okay, so subject line, you guys are great. Thank you. Uh, And the email reads, Hello, Paul, Ryan, and Curtis. In your most recent episode, 
and you've said this before too, you wanted feedback on the podcast and why you may have had both a one and a five star review. (laughs) I really enjoy the podcast and I think your content is great, but I think the biggest thing for me that could be improved is your audio. Here are some thoughts I've had while listening. Each of you have have very different sounding audio. I think the ideal for a podcast audio is for it to sound like you are all in the same room, speaking in the same mic setup. So having different levels is a bit off-putting. I think the best audio is somewhere between Curtis and Ryan. Ryan audio, Ryan's audio sounds the best, but it's also noticeably quieter than the other two, as if he's f- too far away from the mic. So when I'm listening while doing dishes or mowing the lawn, it's often hard to hear Ryan. Curtis has good volume, and the audio sounds good, but it sounds a little more muddy than Ryan. Paul also has a good volume, but it's the most muddy slash tinny audio. You can completely disregard these points if you don't or can't change your audio setup. But these are things I think about while listening to the podcast. You may think that replacing the old microphones with new ones, much like the ship of Theseus, would change chance time too much. But you needn't worry about that because the ship is still Theseus. You have a great podcast, and I hope it continues to grow. Sincerely, Mike Struckerberg, president of video games. Mike himself. Mike Struckerberg. (laughs) What are you doing listening? He took some time out of his billionaire lifestyle to throw us some feedback. That was a bad time to take a drink of water. (laughs) Um, So... I just wanted to explain the setup we have and why it sounds bad. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I have no idea what I'm doing. I, I am also the one who's recording the podcast. (laughs) Um, and so what we're doing right now is we're all talking on discord and I, I'm recording Paul and Curtis's audio through OBS by recording the desktop audio on my computer. And then also on OBS, I have a microphone fed into the record. Um, And so that's the reason why my audio sounds probably a little clearer is because I'm the only one getting direct audio um, in the the podcast. And then Paul and Curtis are both on my desktop audio through Discord. And I know Discord uh, has a lot of its own filters on it. And so I think that attributes to maybe their, their audio sounding a little more muddy or tinny. Um. I mean, it's also microphones and stuff like that, but I, uh, yeah. And then the reason why I sound so quiet is my fault purely. I am sitting at a desk and my microphone stand is broken. And so often I, it like I, right now I'm speaking directly into the microphone and it probably sounds a lot better. Um, but Often while we're talking, I kind of forget that we're recording and then I'll like lean back away from the mic or put my feet up on my desk and then I probably sound a lot more quiet. So it's probably a lot more inconsistent. 
Um, and there's a lot of things that I could probably do to fix all this stuff. I just haven't taken the time to uh, <laughs> learn or try to learn. And then the other thing I wanted to say is when we started recording this podcast, we made a deal that no one would have to edit it because if we made one of us edit it, there would be a large likelihood that uh, this would never get published. And so we just kind of finish, don't even listen to it and put it online. And so uh, we thank you, uh, Mike Struckerberg, for your <laughs> concern. And I, I will try to make an effort to kind of be closer to, to my microphone and maybe look into more more of these things. But yeah, that could be, you make a good point that that's, that could be the one star review, maybe is audio quality. <laughs> Or maybe content quality. Um, also, I feel weird. Uh, like you said, it was Mike Struckerberg, but then I feel weird not attributing the real person who wrote in, which of course was Mike Struckerberg. But I don't know. You didn't say your name in the email, so I won't disclose your identity. Don't worry. Do you have anything to Thank add you. to this email, Paul? Um, yeah, I'm just using the onboard mic on my laptop, so it'd probably be really easy for me to improve my sound quality. I just need to pick a mic and buy it and plug it in. So good call, Mr. Struckerberg. Maybe billionaire Mike Struckerberg could donate some equipment to to Chance Time. It it could be the least of his worries, but also probably not a big enough tax write-off for him. No, that's a good point. Which Mike's a busy guy. Yeah, and that is just... uh, what keeps the world going round is rich people's tax write-offs. Oh, yeah. I one time saw this tweet that was like, anytime you read about the economy, you should just change it for rich people's yacht money. <laughs> <laughs> But it said like, oh no, rich people's yacht buddy is going down. <laughs> Growing concern about rich people's yacht buddy <laughs> as the stock market crashes. Or <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> I did hear a thing recently about like when you go to like places that ask you to donate money for like charity. Like that is <laughs> just like an easy way for them to get like a huge tax write off. Oh, yeah. They're Just, like, we donated, like, yeah. we, quote unquote, donated millions of dollars when it was really a bunch of individuals. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Anyways. Anyways, capitalism. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for writing in, Mike Struckerberg. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, and also thank you for sponsoring Mike Struckerberg's One Thing. Uh, it's just the two of us, Paul. So, I don't know. I'll go first. Sounds good. (laughs) Seems logical, right? Mm Mm-hmm. All right. There are many things I could talk about today. One of them could be 
the fact that I am a proud Switch owner once again. And another one could be that I happen to own the new Switch OLED. Wow. Speaking of rich people. That's right. <laughs> Ask me about all my tax write-offs. <laughs> um, but you know, I'm not going to talk about that, Paul. Oh, no, it doesn't even matter. Yeah. Forget that. I feel like there's enough reviews right now of people saying the exact same thing to everybody. <laughs> and I think my opinions match most of those. I could talk about Metroid Dread and how it's that... an amazing game. And it is really living up to a lot of expectations that I kind of left in the wayside. But I'm not going to talk about that either, Paul. No, no way. I would like to talk to you about uh, something that happened last week. Okay. Uh, you may have heard that the new and last DLC fighter in Smash Brothers Ultimate is Sora from the Kingdom Hearts game. I did hear that. Wow. I heard about that many times. What it was you, kind of a big deal. What do, what do you think about that, Paul, before I get into it? Uh, I mean, I think it's a fitting end. That's one of the ones that, like, meant the most to its fans. Like, Yeah. Well, it was the also, most... they said it was the most requested in yeah. their, like, official poll okay. a while ago. I, okay, I didn't hear that. That's good to know. Yeah. It was, like, when the Wii U and 3DS Smash was out. Do you remember that, like, official poll they did? Yeah, of, like, okay, yeah. people want, and in the... The reveal video, Sakurai mentioned that Sora was the number one request. Even more than Goku? <laughs> Even more. I he did <laughs> he did not say that. <laughs> but he did say most requested, so I'm assuming. Yeah, so yes. it must be true. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been hilarious if you like <laughs> look straight at the camera and he's like, Even more than Goku. <laughs> So I have never played a Kingdom Hearts game. Um, but seeing the reveal video and seeing that like little Mickey Mouse keychain appear and just knowing that people were probably going insane. Mm -hmm. Like that, that might be like one of the coolest moments in just like video game reveals for me. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, okay. I think Banjo-Kazooie was a little more impactful and emotional for me. Right. Just because that hits, like, my personal nostalgia tastes. Um, But, I don't know. When they announced Sora, like, this whole past week, all I could really, like, think about is just, like, how does Super Smash Brothers happen? Like Super Smash Bros. Yeah. Ultimate is like the most insane game to me. Where it's just right. like, how did they get all these characters in the same game? And not only all these characters, all these items, all these like bosses, 
all of the like all these me costumes there's it's just like so crazy and i i did watch every smash brothers ultimate reveal video over again (laughs) (laughs) and just like seeing the care that's put into just the reveal trailers where it's like yeah that's a good point yeah like you can tell they know what fans want and like they play with the the viewers expectations right and like they're making sure to like get get like crazy people and it seems less so when like they say nintendo was in charge of the last dlc fighters but even then like there were a few weird ones where they were just like the next character is going to be from arms (laughs) and then but then they like did the trailer later and you could tell that they put like a lot of thought into the trailer and had captain falcon and kirby eating noodles and like i don't know they just go they like do all these weird things or like having a shadow of king k rule in one of the trailers and Mm -hmm. they know that people want king k rule and then it ends up being king ddd in a k rule costume and then it's actually king k rule beating up on king ddd i don't know it's just so cool and then like looking at uh, i don't know if you saw this but uh the hashtag thank you sakurai was trending on Mm. twitter yeah yeah and i read through a bunch of those and just seeing like how much smash brothers like means to people and like for some people it's like their first smash brothers game and they're like in middle school or high school and that was a statistic that uh sakurai gave during the presentation of like if you started playing this game it's we've been like since we've released it it's been like three years and that's enough time to go from middle school to high school and then if you've been playing like he just gave all these weird like school stats of like if you've been playing or we've been developing since this time and that's enough time to like complete high school i can't remember the exact statistics but i don't know it's just there'll never be a game like this again yeah and like even seeing stuff like the uh the nickelodeon all-stars brawl like there's I don't think there's going to be a lot of game developers like Masahiro Sakurai ever again where like because of you know it's because of him there's such insane detail in Smash Ultimate and they like have clones and stuff right. but there's nothing that's like even come close to like the detail that he's put into this game and him and his team um but Sora being in Smash, I I did say a little lie earlier, which was true up until recently. It did convince me to try Kingdom Hearts. Oh, okay. And a long time ago, I bought the Kingdom Hearts collection because it was on like sale for 15 bucks and it had mm-hmm. like 
a bunch of it's it's basically kingdom hearts the remixes and like the the in-between games and then kingdom hearts 3 was in that pack okay yeah it's and the games are the remix versions the 1.5 and 2.5 final Mm -hmm. remixes isn't there a 2.8 too yes that is in the the collection as well that i got um and kingdom hearts i don't know like i i haven't put that much time in it because i also got a switch again and metroid dread Dread, yeah been very fun but like they like there this is another game where like someone like you can tell someone either loved disney or wanted to like like had the disney property and was like i'm gonna like put attention to detail with this because like the first level i tried or the first like disney level you go into is alice in wonderland and like okay. there you can tell they really thought like all right what if these Final Fantasy-like characters, or what if some another character went into the Alice in Wonderland place, and you do start in like the room with like the talking door, and you do have to like look for the bottles to shrink right. to the right size and stuff like that, and then you like go meet the Queen of Hearts, and you like kind of intervene and change like the story going on in that world, and like. I know that the story gets muddled later on from what people have told me, but like, it is really cool and really weird to see like this game where like you're a final fantasy type character and there's these weird monsters attacking and they're like, only the pure in heart can uh, have the, uh, the Keyblade, And then you immediately cut to Donald and goofy in a Mickey mouse kingdom like talking about how they have to like find Mickey and they have like the right voice actors where it sounds like the characters. And it's so jarring to cut from like, like this hardcore, like fantasy, like storyline to Mickey and Donald and goofy. I don't know. I it's, it's, but it's like jarring in a good way where like, it just seems it's so unique. Yeah. It doesn't seem like they're going to ever do things like that again, which we might talk about later, but right. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of hard to believe that it really happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it like makes me want to play it more. It is definitely a PlayStation game, like an old, I forget if it was PlayStation. I think it was PlayStation two. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. And so, like, it is, like, kind of outdated in the way you move and stuff, but just, like, I am interested in, like, at least playing through the first one and kind of seeing what it's all about. But, yeah, that's it. I just wanted to say, like, Smash is crazy. And because of it, I played Kingdom Hearts. (laughs) They're doing their job. That they are. Learn you in. But yeah, I I think like what must what what must the legal team for Smash Bros look like? Like they gotta have so many lawyers talking to so many different people. 
I mean, I imagine. I have no idea. Maybe it's not that complicated. Maybe it's just write the check and be done with it. But I have to imagine it's some complicated stuff. Yeah, I agree. And it's sad that there won't be anything else added to it to make it even more complicated. But like, but yeah, it had to have been complicated because there was no no reference to Disney at all, except for that Mickey keychain. Oh, that is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And that is probably tied deep enough into Kingdom Hearts that like they're allowed to use the Mickey keychain without Disney's permission or whatever. Probably. I have no idea. Yeah. It, I seems, shouldn't even guess. it seems like people are on the fence or yeah, they're on the fence of just kind of like some people think, it's Disney saying you can only have this stuff in here. And some people think it's Sakurai and Nintendo saying we only want game stuff in Smash Brothers. Interesting. So you're not going to see like Hades in the background of a stage or something. You're not going to see. Yeah, the stage they they showed in the video, Uh there were some parts that people are pointing out that like, like there's some murals in part of the level that they show and in the murals there's little circles and they each have like symbols in them and in Kingdom Hearts some of those symbols are like Donald and Goofy's face but they've replaced them with like stars and treasure chests and stuff uh, like that. Interesting. So we're not going to get a Donald and Goofy trophy or something? Yeah. Or or items? or. <laughs> Yeah, it seemed like they mostly just had Sora and Final Fantasy. I it's I always right. want to say Final Fantasy, but it's just yeah, yeah the the Square Enix side of Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, as opposed to the Disney side, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, but we do have the Mickey Mickey keychain, so they did something. Yeah. I mean, Disney and Nintendo, I guess they don't really, they haven't really worked together on anything that I can think of. Yeah. They probably have at some point in history, but I mean, a lot of people compare Disney and Nintendo, but I don't think they work together closely, like if at all. Yeah. But it is, it is strange seeing like the list of like credits and copyrights and stuff on Smash Bros. and now seeing Disney at the end of it. Yeah, that's really interesting. So they made their way in there somehow. They got them. The lawyers <laughs> did their jobs. All right. Got them. Before we go to your one thing, Paul, we did just get a text from Curtis. Uh, saying that he will not be able to make it anymore. <laughs> and but he did say my one thing is that Metroid Dread is incredible and I'm happy it's so good. I just wish I had more time to play it. Oh, he'll find the time eventually. <laughs> we'll hear about it. All right, so I mean it's my turn. It's your turn. Okay, my one thing 
is going to be extremely brief. But uh, I loved this so much. Um, I am yielding my one thing time to my brother, John Bills, who who made this comment that I just love so, so much. So in one of our, well, in a Discord group I'm in with uh, people I play video games with on Thursday nights usually uh, someone posted the a story about the Grand Theft Auto trilogy so yeah. this you've heard about this yeah Grand Theft Auto the trilogy the definitive edition that they're going to release uh, and so they this guy posted this link to to this announcement. And my brother John's response is, and I quote, Rockstar doesn't beat a dead horse. They grab the dead horse and beat us with it instead. <laughs> <laughs> and man, that is so true, especially in GTA 5, that like we will never escape. Uh so that that's my one thing. It's just that comment and that, that is I love so, awesome. so much. <laughs> <laughs> um, initially, when I heard about the GTA trilogy, I was, I still wouldn't have bought it, but I was a lot more interested in my original interpretation of what it was and i thought it was gta one two and three like the original one and two Uh and i was like that is cool because those one and two are the games that like they've kind of disowned since they're such they're so different than what the modern gta Mm -hmm. is now Uh but then finding out it's just the ones that you could buy on steam and everywhere still forever I was like, yeah, I'm less interested yeah, the ones than I that was before. Not, have never gone away. Yeah. What is it, it is interesting. It's, uh, it's three... GTA 3 by City and San Andreas. San Andreas, yeah, that's right. Uh, also interesting that um, it's coming to iOS and Android. Like, I... Yeah. I wonder how it will sell there and like what they'll charge for it there. Um, yeah, it kind of seems like the uh, the people who are playing games primarily on their phone aren't people who are nostalgic for Grand Theft Auto. Right. But I mean, the name Grand Theft Auto is, I don't know literally one of the most valuable names in video games so people might just be like well grand theft auto i have to buy i have to buy it i'm a gamer (laughs) uh but yeah just amazing and i will i will quote that anytime rockstar makes a grand theft auto announcement Can, can you? I can only imagine, like, when they announce Grand Theft Auto Six, it's gonna just like, like, the internet will implode. Like, I can't even, can't right. even imagine like being a developer on Grand Theft Auto Six. Like, oh my gosh. My theory is that it will 
end up being like the Avatar sequels where mm. no like it'll be so far away that people will be like <laughs> do people even still care about Grand Theft Auto and then they'll freak out a little bit and they'll be like well we've actually got Grand Theft Auto 6, 7, 8 and 9 also in development and then it'll just be like a huge mess and no one will believe it's ever coming out and it'll keep getting delayed. And then James Cameron will, uh, eventually sit down and finish them all. James Cameron. Yeah. yeah. Grand Theft Auto six brought to you by James Cameron. I can't <laughs> wait for that. All right. Are you ready to, uh, discuss our topic for today? Let's do it. So, you may have noticed uh, some some themes in some of the things we've talked about and done today in our <laughs> episode. Uh, the topic for today is Disney video games. Paul Bills, we're going to start yes. off with you. What Disney okay, video yeah. games have you played? Uh, so... I remember playing Aladdin on the Sega Genesis at a friend's house. Classic. Yeah. Um, I yeah, I don't I I can't. I mean, does does Marvel Spider Man count as a Disney game? <laughs> I mean, I don't think it does. I think Disney is only tied to MCU. Because they're not Disney's right. nowhere to be found on the Marvel comics either. That is true. Um, I have played Cars Three: Driven to Win. A famous fact that I know about you. Yeah, what a you know a pivotal gaming experience for me. Uh, I had I tried very briefly Disney Infinity back in the day very when good. Disney Infinity existed. Um that's i mean those are all the ones that are coming to mind but i have to believe i've probably dabbled along the way in some other things but those are the ones i remember right now it's a good list though um all right so i a, a big one for me one of the first video games i ever owned was the Tiger Electronic version of Aladdin. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love the Tiger games. <laughs> and so that, like... I played that so much as a kid. It was only, like, four levels. Right. Um, and it was only Game & Watch-style movement, where <laughs> you're just moving pictures on an LCD screen. Um, but that was, I feel like that was pretty influential for me. I also owned Toy Story on the Game Boy, which is one I played a lot too. Um, and then we had Toy Story on our computer. Like our family computer had the like Super Nintendo Genesis version of Toy Story. Um, which also had the demo for maui mallard and cold shadow which was basically donald duck we talked about this oh the, yeah the weird uh -huh. games from our uh childhood yeah uh-huh um and then 
another famous Disney game I remember playing was our local Burger King when I was in uh, elementary school and maybe maybe more middle school had an N64 behind a glass case and it always had a copy of Toy Story 2 plugged into it that you could go to Burger King, the kids play place place, whatever the Burger King version is called and you could play Toy Story 2 on the N64. The dream. I know. Um, but since then, I mean, the, my sister or bro- little brother had Monsters, Inc. on Game Boy Advance. I think I tried that a few times. Uh, my grandma had like a a Game Boy that she bought for one of my cousins who was over her at her house all the time. And that had a copy of Darkwing Duck in it. Um, oh, yeah. And then since then, I've kind of come back to Aladdin on Lion King um, for Super Nintendo. I went through a phase where I bought a bunch of old Super Nintendo games, and those were a couple of them, and I tried those out. And I think I bought the to- Toy Story on Super Nintendo as well. And then on Steam, they had a remake of castle of illusion with mickey mouse i played that and i think oh and also the uh the disney afternoon collection which was the the mega man legacy people digital eclipse right brought back a bunch of the nes uh nes games from the disney afternoon block on Saturday mornings or Disney Channel, I can't remember. Anyways, I think that covers them all, and now Kingdom Hearts is on that list. Um, uh, I missed a very important one on my list. Okay. Hannah Montana, the movie The Game. <laughs> we saw it at GameStop for PlayStation 3 for like three bucks, and Maddie laughed so hard about it that we actually ended up buying it just to see what it was. <laughs> And so I have played Hannah Montana, the movie, a game. Another important That's pillar awesome. of, of the Disney video game history. Did it impress? Uh, not, not really. <laughs> I, did, I did read that it was a very easy platinum, but I never actually got the platinum trophy. Um, I was impressed there were quite a few outfits that you could wear in that game, like a lot. I, w- I was impressed how much like just raw content that way there was. But like a lot of the gameplay was doing these mini carnival games to like win tickets so you could get those outfits. Hmm. And some of the carnival games were pretty pretty hard and I don't think on purpose. I think oh, it wow. was poor poor design that made it very hard. <laughs> <laughs> We should uh, we should try to figure out some sort of contest and see how many platinums Curtis and I can get before you platinum Hannah Montana the movie the game. <laughs> it, was, it was only uh, it was only a PlayStation Three, so I'd have to go back and get that hardware again and dig it back out. I... All right, so it's a little harder, but that still yeah. seems like a great challenge to me. That would be pretty funny. Um, 
All right, so we we've got some uh, some Disney games under our belt. Um, uh, before we we discuss this a little bit more, I'd like to get into a brief history on Disney Interactive Studios. Are you familiar? I I am a bit familiar. Yeah. So originally it was called Walt Disney Computer Software Incorporated. Um, Good for them. Started in 1988. And for the most part, and this is kind of true throughout Disney Interactive's entire lifespan, they uh, focused on third-party published games. So basically they were in charge of saying, hey, we've got these characters, these properties to other companies and say, will you make a game? And a lot of them were Capcom early on, but then eventually they uh, got a lot of other publishers to help, Square Enix being one of them with Kingdom Hearts and they went through a number of iterations where they became Disney Interactive, then they became, or then they spun off with Buena Vista Games. Um, and then, which purchased Avalanche Software, which I think you're familiar with, Paul. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, for the most part, and then eventually they became Disney Interactive Studios. And basically, it was just kind of, they kept getting people um, to publish the games with their like properties. I don't really think, from what I'm seeing here, that they published their own games. And if they did, I don't think. It was anything significant. Um, Other than Avalanche, right? Avalanche was owned. Yeah, so they they own these companies, but I don't think that they... Like, they purchased these companies, so... I don't know if that really counts, I guess. Because it's still technically third-party companies that they bought. It wasn't like they brought in the Disney animators that worked on Frozen and were like, you're going to make a game now. Yeah, they've never done anything yeah. like that. Um, but yeah, they did end up purchasing a few, but it it was weirdly not under Disney Interactive. It was under the the other thing they started, Buena Vista Games, was all the people that they, all the companies they purchased. And then eventually, <laughs> they uh, launched Disney Infinity which was their kind of toys to life thing where they had a bunch of figurines. And that, that kind of seemed uh, I'll read this from Wikipedia (laughs) that might illustrate a little better. Disney interactive studios has lost more than $200 million per year from 2008 to 2012 during a period in which it shut down propaganda games Black Rock Studio and Junction Point Studios and its co-president John Pleasant stepped down in November 2013 after the launch of Disney Infinity. On March 6, 2014, 700 employees were laid off. 
after the cancellation of Disney Infinity, Disney Interactive Studios closed in 2016. So basically they went through kind of like a bad four-year period. Yeah, that sounds terrible. Sorry to all those people. Yeah, and then kind of had a last-ditch effort with Disney Infinity. And that kind of seemed to be the final nail in the coffin for them. And yeah, now Disney Interactive Studios is no more, and it's kind of vague and ambiguous where Disney is going with. At least they're 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 going somewhere with Star Wars and Marvel stuff. But when it comes to any other Disney properties, it's kind of doesn't seem like well, they're really doing much with it. But to be fair, most of Disney's strategy on every front is star wars and marvel right that's now. true <laughs> <laughs> that's very true um but sorry go ahead no you're good what so what do you think disney interactive what do you think their impact on gaming was do you have any ideas on this so i remember reading that Disney Infinity was like the most successful of the Toys to Life games, which was a huge genre for like a minute. Yeah. Um, and. But even so, I would argue that like Disney's influence on gaming is more through like inspiring developers than like their own actual contributions. Does that make sense? Like a lot of developers who don't work for Disney Interactive and never made Disney games, but they list like Disney movies as huge inspirations to them. Yeah. And so it's almost like that's that's their gaming legacy more than their like intentional legacy. Um and I think everyone wants to see Disney games succeed, but it just like none of them have ever really hit the mark. Like there's never been any Disney interactive game that was anywhere as successful and as like, I don't know, made as much of an impact on the medium that Disney films have had, like not even yeah. close. And I feel like there's like a, everyone feels that frustration. Like we all want to see some big, amazing Disney game. And I guess some people might argue that like kingdom hearts is that is what we wanted. Um, and I can't really speak to that having not played them, but maybe, um, I mean, I certainly I think Kingdom Hearts has the largest legacy of any Disney game for sure. Yeah. I would definitely and, agree. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, so I'm just saying like, and I think because it kind of it took what people love about Disney, but let it be I don't know, let it be like just a, a video game, but also you know, bring in what people love about Disney without it I don't know, like would Kingdom Hearts have succeeded without 
the Square Enix side of it? That's that's an interesting question to me. Like if it was just Donald and Goofy running around, would it have been as good? Like would people have would people love Kingdom Hearts as much without Sora, without that side of it? I don't think so, honestly. I think there are some people who would and some people who wouldn't. Yeah, okay, yeah, that might be fair. Like to me, if it's if you've got like it almost kind of I could see a side being argued that you have a more clear focus of what the story is. Hmm. And if you have the same like gameplay and it's still kind of crazy that like you're Mickey, Donald and Goofy and you're fighting like evil beings and going through different Disney worlds and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I think that that could still be a fun it game. Can, it could still work. Yeah. But I also think like Sora does add like an extra thing that makes it so weird that it makes it a little more memorable. Well, it makes it, yeah, so, like, it kind of frees it up a little bit where it doesn't have to feel like a Donald and Goofy yeah. experience. It can it can be very video gamey and, you know, very different. Whereas it would have been, it would be harder to justify going that far off the typical Disney script if it was just Donald and Goofy. Yeah. Um, and I think in general, one of the problems Disney has in trying to make games is is that hesitancy to to let go. Like Disney super controls their properties like with like beyond an iron fist, you know, like yeah. there's all the horror stories of how perfectly you have to fit the mold if you want to be Cinderella at Disney World. Like, they do not alter the dress. If you don't fit in the dress, you do not get the job. You know, stuff like that. Like, they really hold their characters and their brand with a very tight fist. And I think that has hurt their attempts at video games. Like, they haven't let it run as wild and they haven't given the player as much agency as other games do to kind of create their own stories and customize things. And, um, and I think that's kind of hurt their ability to transfer their existing properties into video games. And so kingdom hearts kind of does a weird circumvention of that where it's like, well, we won't, We'll be super true to your stuff when it's there, but we're going to be crazy and bonkers with our stuff and we'll just have it interact with your stuff every now and then. Yeah. Um, anyway, I answered like four questions. <laughs> you're you're all good. I, I want to say something that might seem contradictory to what you said about. Okay. Uh, I I do think that in the Super Nintendo era of games, uh, okay, and Nintendo era of games, I think Disney had a lot of good games in terms of what games were at the time. I guess, like maybe some of them seem a little too hard or a little too outdated now, but I feel like, especially Super Nintendo and Sega Genesis era Disney video games 
had more standout graphics to me. Mm, like okay. especially the Capcom ones. Um, like I feel like like Lion King and Aladdin are like gold standard to me of like what Super Nintendo graphics can be. Right. Okay. That makes sense. Um, and like music wise as well, I feel like they did a really good job of getting like um the music from the movie translated to 16 bit music. And then Toy Story was another one that was kind of on everything, but like that one had a lot of memorable like levels and there was a lot of variety in the gameplay and it kind of followed the story where like first you're putting away toys and helping the army men get the, the walkie talkie. And then the last level is you're flying with Buzz to try to find the car. Yeah, I think I remember this vaguely. I don't even remember what platform, but I did interact with this somewhere. Yeah. And yeah. Like, I like I feel like with what those games were, like I feel like they could have all got to a natural evolution of like something at least being more modern in that sense of like, this is a game that follows the story of the Disney movie with a little bit of liberties taken. Uh, but like, I feel like they could make some really cool stuff, but I, I don't know. It seems like they didn't ever go that route. And like, it kind of seemed like there, it got to a point where Disney was just like, it's the game that your mom buys because she knows what that property is, but doesn't know right. what Metroid is. <laughs> <laughs> That's a character she recognizes on the box. Yeah. And, and a... you play it and it's not really like a lot of them didn't have substance. And I think the Game Boy, Game Boy Advance era Disney games were kind of the worst offenders of those. Um, yeah. But yeah, I I think there is more bad Disney games. They're not even bad, <laughs> but like more more games that aren't up to like they don't hold up to your Mario's and your Yeah. They're just kind of forgettable. They're yeah. kind of obvious side projects or afterthoughts to the main show, whatever it may be. Yeah. Why why do you think it, it besides Star Wars and Marvel does it it kind of feel like Disney has abandoned video games? Yeah, I mean, I think <laughs> so when they closed Disney Infinity, when they shut it down, they um they well I don't, I don't know the whole history. They sold off or shut down Avalanche. Um, and actually, Warner Brothers bought Avalanche. Um, and then, very ironically, their first project as Warner Brothers Avalanche was contracting for Cars 3 Driven to Win. Mm, yeah. It's like, why didn't, why didn't you just keep them and have them do like that? It was so weird to me. Yeah. <laughs> I have I do not know enough business and legal to understand how that was the right decision. 
in their minds. But anyway, interestingly but that, enough, Warner Brothers was in charge of Lego The Incredibles as well. Yeah, like what the heck? <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, that really I remember that feeling like Disney has given up. Like they just don't think they can do video games, and so like because Disney Infinity was like throwing it all in it was like okay we're just gonna give all our properties in one big game and there's gonna be toys and you know if people will spend any money on disney games they'll have to do it on this one because it's everything and then they decided it wasn't enough yeah it really felt like disney was like uh we don't do video games um and since then like the mainstream Disney properties, the non-Marvel, non-Star Wars properties, it seems like they're just following the money to mobile. So there's a lot of Disney mobile games right now, like a lot um, in all kinds of genres and styles. And it seems like they've decided that's where their properties belong with video games. It's where, you know, people are, they just kind of want Disney aesthetic in something light and casual rather than, you know, trying to do a full on console game. So it seems like that's where we're at now with Disney is they're like, well, we can contract out a Chinese or Korean um, studio that really knows what they're doing with mobile games and can just really crank it out and and that's good enough for us we don't need kind of tentpole console games for anything that's not star wars or marvel yeah and speaking of that do you feel like because i kind of feel this way do do you feel like there's less licensed games in general yeah i think well i well i think that has been true for several years we're seeing a very interesting rebound like right now um the ioi the people who make hitman announced they're doing a 007 game yeah bethesda's doing indiana jones game um ubisoft doing the avatar game so it's kind of like all of a sudden we're trying it again and we're taking a different approach where it's not connected to a specific movie or anything anymore. It's a totally separate experience, but drawing on that license and that popularity to, to try to bring audience. So none of those games even have like significant trailers yet. So it's kind of like maybe in 2023, 2024, we'll start to see a renaissance of a new kind of license game. But yeah, in general on consoles and PC, it's just not happening nearly at the level it used to. Mostly, I think, because a lot of people are doing the strategy of, well, we're going to license on mobile and we're going to leave mm, yeah. console and PC alone. Yeah, it does kind of seem like. As far as games go, it's got to be a big enough a franchise I like everybody's looking for their like like Sony's Spider-Man. Yeah. Like it it does kind of seem like the 
Indiana Jones thing with Microsoft was response to that of like, well, if you want to yeah. play the the Indiana Jones game, you can only play it on your Xbox. Right. But we're struggling enough that you can also play it on PC. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I guess, yeah, I mean, I, I to be fair, it does kind of seem like like Marvel Spider-Man has kind of proved that we can do it again. Like that we, yeah, we can have a really mainstream video game success with a licensed property. And I think that's kind of made people bullish on, Hey, you know, we could do more of this. Let's throw some money at, at this other stuff. Um, Do you sorry, I'm just looking at our discussion questions. Mm -hmm. Do you think we'll ever get anything like Kingdom Hearts ever again? Um probably not from Disney. I mean, and also like we're gonna get more Kingdom Hearts. I don't think Kingdom Hearts is done, right? There's I am not the, sure. They the wind, I, Yeah, in any case, it could be possible. Like it's yeah. not like we haven't heard anything that's like Disney hates Square Enix now and we'll never do Kingdom Hearts again, you know? Like yeah. the, the door is still open on that franchise. I don't think we'll get it from Disney anything to like that level, but I think someone else may try like we've been hearing a lot recently about Netflix trying to get into games. Mm-hmm. Um, Netflix does not have enough of like a studio level aesthetic like Disney does, I think to pull off a of kingdom hearts, but I think maybe some other major studio will try to do a similar kind of our worlds plus video game, like crossover collision thing. Um, I'm trying, but like, I don't know. No one else could really do it like Disney did. No one else has. Yeah. I, I feel like, uh, by the way, I did look it up. It does sound like, there are more Kingdom Hearts ideas and that they're oh, okay. in talks with stuff and Yeah. Uh but and it said let's see. Uh there would need to be more time before the next main entry in the series. So it sounds like they're thinking about a next main entry. Yeah. By the way, will I buy Kingdom Hearts Melody of Memory on my Switch just to get the music track in Super Smash Bros. Ultimate? <laughs> Only time will tell. <laughs> um, but yeah, it. I kind of feel like the way like properties are being handled right now it seems like like and i feel like video games for a long time was kind of like a wild west 
where sure. yeah. Disney probably was just like, hey, Square Enix, want to do a Disney game? And some... Uh, I, f- I know his last name's Nomura. I forget the guy who does... Uh, uh, Tetsuya Nomura. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Yeah, I kind of feel like... It, those days are kind of gone where people are just like, Hey, do you want to do something? And some really creative guy or girl is like, Hey, let's just like make up these like crazy characters who are vaguely tied to final fantasy and throw them into like fully developed Disney worlds. Like that's kind of sad to me. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we should also mention uh, Epic Mickey, which I, was another. Re- I did want to mention that. I'm glad that you. Brought yeah, that. it's another really interesting experiment where I think that was like, that was the most, the most they've tried in terms of we're gonna go absolutely mainstream video game. We're gonna get Warren Spector, who's like one of the big designers, thanks to Deus Ex. Like, he's a name in this industry. He's a legend in his own right. We're going to hand him just Mickey. And as far as I understand, there's actually uh, one of the chapters in Jason Schreier's latest book is all about Epic Mickey. Mm. Um, And from what I remember from the book, it really was just like, okay, you have Mickey. What would you do with Mickey? You know, pitch us the game. And, and what they ended up with was, with was epic mickey that seems like the most they've tried to do like a mainstream console game and from what i understand it was received fairly well and got a sequel but the sequel like was a development nightmare and so it kind of sputtered out and i think that also kind of convinced disney like man, working with video game developers just isn't cutting it for us. It's just too weird of a process. Mm, yeah. We can't predict it nearly enough. Um, and I, I don't think, at least not for a long time, will Disney try anything like Epic Mickey again. Like Kingdom Hearts seems more likely that they'll, they would allow something more like that, where it's like, yeah, reference a bunch of our properties yeah in kind of smaller safer ways but something like epic mickey i don't think they'll do again which is sad i personally think you could do an absolutely incredible frozen rpg yeah like i think it could be so cool especially after seeing frozen 2 specifically like the world they've set up there and like the powers and the different characters like you know, playing like some levels as Anna and some as Elsa. I think it could be a really, really cool game, um, but they're never going to do it. Yeah. Yeah, there's so much they could do, even like something as simple. I guess it's not as simple, but like <laughs> you could do this with anything, but like doing like a Disney style Smash Brothers game. Like if yeah. you got mm-hmm. someone who is if they put the money and got someone who would put effort into making it like putting all the, the details that Sakurai puts in smash brothers, 
right and like making the characters true to like their movies and cartoons and stuff and or even in like just like the disney princesses fighting game like i feel like there's like so many opportunities like that for disney but i feel like disney doesn't know how and like maybe they're giving people maybe when they were making games they were giving third party studios too little time and then they weren't getting mm-hmm. the product that they wanted because there wasn't enough time to do it i don't know there's a million explanations but yeah there is potential there for some like really cool stuff or getting like the cuphead people to do like a mickey mouse game yeah oh that's a really good idea yeah yeah it'd be so cool But they won't do it. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> and like speaking of like the specifically the like Disney Smash Bros, I feel like there's three different mobile games that are like collect all your favorite Disney heroes and fight them. And it's like the turn based battle thing mm, yeah. that like so many properties have done. I think Disney's number crunchers are like this came out faster, it was cheaper to make, and it's probably making as much, if not more money than if we did a Disney Smash Bros. So why would we ever yeah. do that? <laughs> it just doesn't. Yeah, it's hard. I think it's hard for specifically the, the Disney number crunchers to like justify. And I think that is part of the reason Epic Mickey 2 failed. I think you're right that I should really go back and like actually read that chapter again. But it was it was a thing about timing and like Disney being like, well, no, you have to put it out. Like we need the, you know, we need things to follow our plan and they just couldn't work with like the messy creative process of video game development. I think they just, their executives just can't take it. It's like, well, when we tell people to make a movie, we can give them a date four years in advance and they hit it every single time. Like, why can't you video game people do that? You know? Yeah. I think that's a big part of it for them. Yeah, that truly is a shame. I yeah. Epic Mickey was one that I remember seeing, and I don't think I had a Wii at the time, but I remember seeing that, and I was like, I do really want to play this, and I think I meant to try it at some point, but I, I just never did. Right. Um, but yeah, so... The only, like, besides Star Wars and Marvel, one of the few ways Disney video games are sort of living right now, besides mobile as well, mm-hmm. is uh, this company, Digital Eclipse, um, who kind of focus on video game preservation. Mm-hmm. And they released the Disney Afternoon Collection, and then they release the Aladdin Lion King collection. Um, and which is now becoming the Aladdin Lion King and Jungle Book collection. What a title. I know. Well, I think it's called something else. It's called Disney yeah, Classic Games Collection colon Aladdin, the Lion King, and the Jungle Book. <laughs> rolls That rolls way better off the tongue. Yeah, way better. Um. But yeah, it looks like this company made a bunch of kind of like 
games and then now they're kind of focusing on they did they also did street fighter 30th anniversary collection um they did mega man legacy collection okay um it doesn't say they did mega man legacy collection 2 or mega man x collection but maybe they did i don't really know (laughs) it doesn't look like they did um But I don't know. People seem pretty excited about these games when they're, and of course it's like a specific audience of people who are nostalgic for this game. So I think you're less likely, you might get some turnover of new players who have never tried these games before, but I don't know. What do you think of this? What do you think of Disney games just existing as like, revival properties of people just preserving them. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it I mean that very much fits with the Disney brand. It's a very safe thing to do. Yeah. Like we don't we know exactly what we'll get and I bet it's a lot easier to predict how long it will take. Um so it's a very easy thing for Disney to say yes to and and yeah, I mean Digital Eclipse does a good job with those. They don't, I mean, they don't just do the games. They do like, can't you like switch between the like Genesis and I Super think Nintendo version? Play them all separately. Yeah. I don't know if you can switch between them. Yeah. Is I think, that, yeah, but okay. they're like all there yeah, 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 in yeah, one way or another. Right. Yeah. And they have like concept art and the music and like, yeah. You know, so they, they like really go all out to like make it. They even worth it. make it easier by like putting rewind functions in there, and like yeah, save states and all that. Yeah. So, yeah, and I think that is also very Disney. The like, the, the just total fandom aspect of that. Um. So it's one of those things that it kind of checks a lot of boxes, but to me personally, it's kind of like. I don't know. That's not nearly as exciting as them trying something new. Yeah. But I get why they do it. And I think a lot of people like that they do it. But also, I mean, how long, how many times can you go back to that? Well, like they don't really have. Back to your earlier point, they had that one era, kind of the golden era, the 16 bit era where their games were kind of on par and people really liked them. Yeah. Can, but you can only remake and repackage those so many yeah. times. <laughs> well, I don't know. Grand Theft Auto Trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> so, I, yeah. I I guess overall, my reaction is it's fine. Like, yeah. it makes sense. They they shouldn't not do it. They should totally do it, but it's just not going to get my attention personally. Yeah, that's fair. Um, do you think there would be any? Do you think they should only if they go back into games only kind of strive for like newer, cooler ideas, or do you think there's any benefit of like, oh, uh, Wreck It Ralph two came out. Let's make the Wreck It Ralph two game or uh, Ryan the Last Dragon. Like we need a team on the Ryan the Last Dragon game to kind of help it. 
your thing do you think there's any benefit in them going back to like releasing a game through a third party for their new movie releases uh i i don't think we should ever go back to the era of here's like the game that is the exact same story and it's like we're gonna take 10 scenes and make them playable and you're just like playing the movie like there was a lot of licensed games like that i i'm not super interested in going back to that era of things okay um but it would be super cool especially raya and the last dragon is another property that's like this is begging for an rpg yeah like for a like a or even just like an action adventure third person game but I don't want it to be the same story. I want it to be like a transmedia thing where it's like, you know, there's a a side adventure or a, you know, an adventure after the end of the movie that Raya and her friends have together. Mm, yeah. That the only place you get this story is the video game. Yeah. Um, that's the kind of stuff that like excites me more than a rehash or yeah or like a it's this doesn't even really contribute to the canon this is just uh takes the aesthetics and gives you something to do with it you know i i like it to be like i think a really good example of a a license i don't even know if it like counts as a licensed game but do you remember enter the matrix i have heard many things about it yeah, so Enter the Matrix was a really cool game, and it was different characters than, like, the core Matrix. Um, but they were, like, really ahead of their time in terms of, like, a character introduced in Enter the Matrix was actually in the second Matrix movie. And, like, where she shows up and when she shows up in the movie is, like, directly tied to stuff that happened in the game um so i don't think it needs to be that closely tied together but i do like like you know we're going to continue the story and give you something new using the pieces that were put together in the movie Uh, i like that much much more than saw see the movie now play the game and it's like the exact same story yeah, I I do agree with that. Um I think following the story was a good idea in the platformer days. Yeah. Where mm-hmm. you couldn't even think of how they could make a movie into a video game. And so right. they had to take liberties in order to make it fit into a video game. But where we're at right now, it would be kind of less interesting to be like Oh, you're just playing the movie, basically. Right. (laughs) It would be too on par. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And they, of course, could change that. Like, it looks like one of the last games Disney Interactive did like this was Tangled, the video game. Mm -hmm. And I don't really know. Uh, It says Tangled's gameplay consists of a mix of platforming and puzzle elements and is designed heavily on two-player cooperative play. It doesn't... I don't really see... Okay. The plot says the story follows that of the film very closely. 
Uh, yeah okay so i and it was on, it looks like it was on wii and they had a ds version and a windows version but yeah i i feel like that's probably the era when like that seemed probably did seem a little too on the nose of like oh this is like like it does sound cool that it, they did focus on co-op gameplay and like puzzles based on co-op but mm-hmm other than that, it would have been more interesting to see these characters before or after. Yeah. Or like something like that. Um, cool. Any, uh, anything, anything else? Do you have any suggestion, more suggestions for Disney, what they could do? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think so. I guess the core of like my my suggestion about Frozen, um, and same idea with Ryan the Last Dragon. I think Disney, in a lot of ways, in other places, like in merchandise especially, has embraced. We know it's adults that care as much, if not more, than the kids. Mm. So we're gonna make really expensive merchandise that no kid should ever be able to afford, but it's, it's for the adults who love our animation, you know? And like a lot of Disney vacation stuff is, you know, it's like, we know you love Disney, but you're a 60 year old woman. Yeah. (laughs) Um, They should embrace that in games as well. So they, they should know they should make a game that's for the adults who love the animation. Like not in terms of content. Like I don't want a rated M frozen game, <laughs> but I want a, I want a, a mechanically sophisticated frozen game. That's like, they're not worried about, well, will a six year old be able to play this? It's like, no, we know a six year old is not playing this and they might be watching a parent play this, but they don't need to play it themselves. We want to go for, you know, the, the core game audience, but with, um, a franchise that was initially made for children, we're going to adapt it to the much older kind of core gamer audience. And I think they could make something that could like really stand out and be like an, you know, like a an all timer kind of game, like a an all time classic. If they really just kind of went for it, um, but I don't think they will. I think the opportunity is there, but I don't think the numbers add up in their head. But man, I would love to see it so much with any of their property, like a you know, like a a PlayStation exclusive style game, yeah. where it is pretty story heavy. And uh, even like a lot of PlayStation games are kind of formulaic at this point, but people love the formula. It would just be awesome to see that applied to some Disney property in like a a whole heart and soul kind of way. Like you kind of talked about with Smash Bros, where someone really was going for it, who really understood both worlds and wanted to bring them together. I would really, really love to see that, but I just don't think it'll ever happen. Yeah, I think Kingdom Hearts is that right now. 
Yeah, it's the closest we have, I think, yeah. for sure. But I, I do know that, like, I know a lot of people criticize number three. But at the same time, like, I saw trailers for, like, the Frozen world. And it was, like, insane to me that, like, it just looked like Frozen was in right. a video game. <laughs> but I, I, I think they'll get there eventually where they'll they'll tar- start taking uh, games more seriously. I it might not be like in the next decade unfortunately. But I I think maybe like an inkling of it is like people are interested in these re-releases. Yeah. And like they they'll like when they start getting more consistent with like good Star Wars games coming out and like with Spider-Man and Wolverine. Yeah. Like I I think because they're closely tied to those properties now, I think they'll start getting getting to the point where they could see opportunities for cool cool yeah. games. And I, I I mean Oh, go ahead. I'm going to say that Frozen game or that Raya game, hand that to Insomniac and yeah. they'd knock it out of the park. Like that's a match made in heaven in my mind. It's just any of like the Disney animation properties within Insomniac. I mean, they do Ratchet and Clank. Like they're basically auditioning for it with yeah. Ratchet and Clank. And now with their established relationship with Disney and Marvel, I mean, that's that doesn't seem so impossible that they they're like, okay, you've done Spider Man, you've done Wolverine. Now we're gonna give you. I don't know. I mean, they could even redo Tangled to (laughs) any of their animated properties. Yeah. Similarly, I think the Kena Bridge of Spirits people. Yeah. They kind of have a similar animation style and like. Yeah. I don't know. And I did read I did read one review that basically said Kena is a is a give us money game. I think we (laughs) talked about that. Yeah, that makes sense. Um. You know, Disney, here's a here's a million dollar idea for you that you'll never do and might be a stupid idea because I'm not a businessman. But I say release your next or release a Disney movie that is a video game, create a whole new property, a similar Disney style story, but have it start as the video game. You won't do it. But you could and it could be really cool. Or like, give give some obscure properties to indie developers. Like, yeah, I now I just want to see Cuphead people do licensed cartoon games. Yeah. Oh man, yeah, old style Mickey. Like, yeah. I mean, it's obvious that they're taking inspiration from that. Might as well. Yeah. Let them go for it. But yeah, imagine like. I think Zootopia has tons of potential. Yeah. Uh, Big Hero Six, which I guess is technically Marvel, but and I that I, was I think it's in Kingdom Hearts Three. Uh, okay. Yeah, there's just so many things. It's like, especially like with Raya and Zootopia, 
Raya and the Last Dragon and Zootopia both. It's like it's already divided into like the separate worlds that like so many video games love where it's like, here's the different regions and every region could have a different mechanic, you know, like it seems inspired by video games in a lot of the way and like the organization of it is that it's almost frustrating that they don't hand it back to the medium that seemed to kind of inspire the way they structure it. Yeah. Like Mulan, a hundred percent. Give me a Mulan game, like a good Mulan game. Uh, yeah. The more I think about it, kind of the more frustrating it is. It's like, Oh, yeah. there's so much opportunity. <laughs> yeah. I'm just looking through Disney movies now and I'm, I don't know. I remember uh, they made that Tarzan game that seemed ahead of its time. Do you remember, I don't that? remember that? It at was all. like a PlayStation no. or place, uh, probably PlayStation, and it was like th- a 3D world, and you're like grinding on jungle vines and stuff. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. I don't know if I'm just like, I can just see that in my head or if I really am remembering something, but yeah, that makes sense. Or Treasure Planet. That could be a cool yeah, game. Yeah, that could be a cool game. I I was looking at these to try to figure out which of these would make a, the best Metroidvania. <laughs> and it, maybe it's Bolt. Bolt, the Metroidvania. <laughs> or Emperor's New Groove. And Emperor's New Groove Metroid video would be amazing. And it, like the different powers are just like different characters that you could switch between. Like yeah. Kronk can break through walls. <laughs> <laughs> Pacha can can ask people to, you know, open or like get out of the way so you can go to new parts of the town. Yeah. But you can also have like Kronk can have Everyone can have multiple abilities. Yeah. So like Kronk can learn how to communicate with the squirrels. To get <laughs> yeah. <every part. laughs> Princess and the Frog could be another good Metroidvania. You switch between frog and princess mode. <laughs> yeah. But I guess I'm thinking more of like because in these movies they're like trap they're like road trip movies essentially right they're going through the different environments yeah. yeah but i guess it is the movie's a little more linear i don't know i feel like there's just like a bunch of genres that can work but even then like i kind of miss like that era of knowing that like something comes out and there's going to be a video game to accompany it. Yeah. I mean, there is something to that of like, it's almost like then you can watch the movie trailer and get equally as excited of, Oh, I can't wait to play that part. You know, yeah. <laughs> you just, you could just know it was coming. There's something to that, like reassurance that I will never get back. One, one memory that sticks in my head is we had the, do you remember the movie, the page master? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Page Master, if you don't know, which you probably do, is uh, Macaulay Culkin of Home Alone fame. And he loves reading books. Um, 
and then he ends up getting trapped in a library and he kind of like goes into these animated segments where he makes friends with the books and they're like all different genres and mm-hmm. each world is a different genre and we had it on VHS um and the first preview on the VHS was for the Page Master Super Nintendo Sega Genesis games. Oh, nice. And I just remember that like so viscerally and like like part of me wants to buy those now just to like <laughs> see what I was missing out on. Right. But like I do remember seeing that as a kid and I'm like, "Oh, I got to play the Page Master video game." <laughs> right. If I like the movie, I have to play the game. Yeah. yeah. And because I was a dumb kid, I probably would have liked the Page Master game whether it was good or not. Right. It just the the connection was enough. Yeah. Come on, Disney. I know. Just do it. Just mix all the movies together and give us a super game. <laughs> give us an uh an MMO RPG where yeah. you just build every single movie landscape. I wonder if a Kingdom Hearts MMO has ever been pitched and how far it got when it was pitched. That seems like the kind of idea that like that's going to be a lot of money. Yeah. But you have to, I mean, someone has to have tried it. Yeah. Like, I just wonder, like, did it ever, has it ever made it to Disney? Like, I guarantee you people at Square Enix are really into that idea. For sure. But have they ever pitched it to Disney is my question. I bet maybe someone has. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if it's been pitched in some way to Disney. Yeah. I mean, especially now with the just enormous success of Final Fantasy 14. You know, it makes you wonder if Square Enix is like, hey, look what we've done over here. We could do it over here with with Kingdom Hearts and really blow people's minds. Like there are people where if that was. There's a huge amount of people where if that was real, that would be their game. That would be the one game they ever played would be the kingdom hearts mmo that's true i i think maybe disney infinity left a bad taste in their mouth which is kind of similar not not really not the same genre but like no but it's like mixing all the worlds together yeah 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 and it's like meant to be ongoing and add to it yeah similar enough from a business perspective that yeah i'm sure it caused them pause but i don't know maybe the harry potter game like i feel like there's enough licensed games coming yeah and you're right we didn't mention care into that will maybe hopefully change their minds yeah i was gonna say we didn't mention hogwarts legacy when we were talking about kind of the resurgence of licensed games but it absolutely belongs there and Ironically, it's being developed by Avalanche, <laughs> who, you know, <laughs> used to be Disney. So yeah. it'd be really interesting to see how that one performs. Wow. Well, 
I think we have successfully discussed this topic enough. Yes, I agree. But if you and, think... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, if, if you're listening to this and you have thoughts on Disney wow. games that we Same need to know... mind. <laughs> <laughs> Email us at chancetimepodcast at gmail.com just like president of video games himself, Mike Zuckerberg. Wow. Mike Zuckerberg, talk to the Disney people. Yeah. Let them know what they're doing wrong. Throw your money behind this. Make it happen. I'm sure you can find a way to make this some sort of tax write-off. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it's like a whole new business venture that has its own business expenses. Yeah, Tons of tax stuff there. Just buy Disney. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that big a deal. You can do it, Mike. <laughs> All right. I don't really have anything else. <laughs> I I do have my segment that was teased last time, but uh, I would like to do it with Curtis. Yeah, we can point it to Curtis. Curtis is uh, doing a lot of stuff right now and yeah, moving houses and whatnot. And I don't know. Well, he'll hopefully be able to make it next week, but yeah. But we shall see. I will say I I know for a fact that some of our listeners, uh, some of our you know most loyal listeners are huge, huge both Disney and Kingdom Hearts fans. So I really would love to to hear from some of you on on your thoughts on this episode in particular. So hopefully we can get some kind of email that we can follow up on this topic next time. Yeah. Or maybe they'll just tell me in person because I see a lot of them in person. <laughs> Ask Paul for my number and text me <laughs> or call me. Ask Let's Paul do for, this. Uh, text me, ask me what my address is, <laughs> then come over <laughs> with a handwritten letter of what you want me to say on the podcast about Kingdom Hearts or whatever. It will, we'll make it happen. <laughs> Great. All right. All right. Uh, thanks team. for coming to see James. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Curtis. Curtis, I hope you listen to this episode. Um, maybe you could email us about Kingdom Hearts because I know you've played <laughs> Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2. Yeah. Because we were texting about the topic and you told me that. <laughs> <laughs> um, great. I'm ending this for real now. All right. Bye.